Welcome to the Pentagon Labyrinth, the podcast of the Center for Defense Information, brought to you by the Strauss Military Reform Project at the Project on Government Oversight. I'm sure few people listening to this will be surprised to find out that I spend quite a bit of time monitoring military-related social media pages. I do this for a couple of reasons. I obviously want to know what is happening, but I'm also interested to know what people are saying about the big issues of the day concerning the military. It's a way of gauging the arc of discussions within the military and the veteran communities. There are always a few hot-button issues that are guaranteed to garner a high volume of online comments. If you post anything about a key new weapon system, you are guaranteed to generate a lot of discussion. Likewise, operating concepts generate a lot of discussion. And pieces about the latest social issue in the military really get people talking. Military education generally does not receive as much attention, though. I think this is unfortunate since the military needs to have a solid intellectual foundation on which to build all subsequent policy. We lay that foundation with a quality military education system. The proper ordering of defense priorities in order is people, ideas, and hardware. An eminent military philosopher once taught that wars fought without innovative ideas, even if they were winnable, become bloodbaths and generally ruin both the winner and the loser. It is for this reason that I'm always encouraged to see people write anything geared towards making the military education system better. So when I came across an article titled, It's a Big Deal, an officer grades the Army Staff College and its leadership by Major Jamie Schwant on the website Task and Purpose, I dove right in. Now, anyone who is familiar with this article already will know that the portrait painted of the Command and General Staff College in this piece is not very flattering. Just to orient those who may not be familiar with the course, it's the Army's Intermediate Level Officer School. The students who attend are generally majors with about 10 to 12 years of service who have already committed to making a career out of the military. The resident course at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas lasts 10 months and includes courses in subjects like history, leadership, and military planning. Major Schwant, who just graduated the school in June, gave the course an overall grade of D. Uh, he had numerous criticisms, including what he believed the school's uh, what he believed to be the school's over reliance on the Army's formal planning system, called the military decision making process. Uh, he also criticized the tactical instruction, the narrow focus of the history curriculum, and the copious use of PowerPoint. Most damning, he criticized the school's leadership by painting a picture of an institution for professional adults that treats its students as if they were recalcitrant middle school children. He gave them a failing grade. His harsh words provoked an immediate response in the online community. While there were plenty of people who leapt to his defense, there were many others who quickly condemned his assessment of the school and unfortunately attacked him personally. I was struck by the sheer volume of comments. The post itself on the Task and Purpose webpage has more than 200. Where it was reposted on social media, extensive and robust discussions occurred. So, I thought it would be valuable to hear from Major Schwann himself to delve deeper into these issues and allow him the opportunity to address some of his critics. I wrote the article, which uh, has now become kind of infamous there and uh, there in CGSC land. Uh, finished CGSC this last year and and I came across kind of disgruntled I guess uh, and so did quite a few of the other students 
And so I'm usually one that I like to say what's on my mind. And um, especially if someone tells me not to say something, I will make a point to say that something. And a lot of us students were talking, you know, about the things that I wrote about. And we were all just disgruntled. And we knew there was a better way um, to to, you know, to operate in CGSC, there was a better way to conduct uh, PME and uh, primary military education. And uh, a buddy of mine actually uh, got in trouble uh, mid-year. We were getting yearbooks. I don't know why we still do yearbooks. And he wanted to put on his quote, uh, the fourth best uh, ILE, kind of summed up in my mind, you know, the thought process uh, or the thinking of students there. And we would read articles on Duffel Blog and these videos that were created on YouTube, uh, mimicking Hitler, um, and they were all anonymous. Uh, and CGSC instructors, everyone thought they were funny, you know, but they were, it's because they were anonymous. So I was like, what if someone put their name on this stuff? You know, would they still think it's funny or would they listen? Um, because there's some subtle things you pick up in Duffel Blog. Um, those videos, there's so much truth to them, you know? And so I was like, well, I'm going to, sp- I'm going to say what I feel. I'm going to speak my mind about it. Um, and I kind of like to piss people off. And so I decided to, you know, just really speak my mind on it. And I think I did. Now, I, I could have came across and, you know, I've done more analysis on it. And I could have came across and um, explained, okay, because I graded them. If I give you a, a D, you know, this is why I gave it to you. But I was writing for uh, Tom Ricks there on, on uh, his book task and purpose blog the long march and he limited 600 words so i'm not going to do that on that blog but that's kind of why you know why i came there's so much there's a better way to do it and if anyone read that blog um the biggest takeaway if you know anything about the red team school uh just mimic the red team school that is a phenomenal phenomenal school and and they do it 100 times better than cgsc okay you is, we can go down the, the list of some of the criticisms that you had. One of the big ones that I thought, and I definitely related to just in, in my experience going through professional military education, the, the first thing on your list was talking about or criticizing the, the, the idea of using the military decision-making process for every single uh, event, I guess, in, in CGSE and for... I guess for for the people who are not familiar with that, the military decision making process, very much like the Marine Corps planning process, it's the the kind of step by step process of evaluating a mission and coming up with your courses of action and and doing a war game and then co a comparison and then actually putting together the order eventually. Uh, I think there's some usefulness in in having a process of actually working out the details. My problem comes from the I guess the design aspect of it where it could be misused uh, uh, in the sense that it can kind of stop people from thinking if you I guess if you follow the steps the the intelligence preparation of the battlefield steps then yes it will kind of guide some of your some of your courses of action but that can make us very predictable in battle which is kind of a bad thing and it really kind of shuts down uh, you know cre- creative thinking critical thinking I guess now what was why why do you think that uh, the heavy reliance on the military decision making process was such a bad thing at CGSC well yeah we we it was you know, we did it all the time and it was it was to me so to me as a as a lean six sigma uh guy uh we 
do stuff very similar. Um, we have this process called DOMAIC, where we define a problem, measure it, analyze, improve, and control. And it works really good for complicated problems. We know what the problem is. Um, we just don't know what we need to do yet to solve it. Uh, now, let me ask you, during Iraq and Afghanistan, when you were there, did you guys know what the problem was all the time? No. And so MDMP, same thing, right? You get a problem statement, you go through, you know, the steps. What happens What happens the moment you're done planning? It changes, right? Yep. There's no feedback loops built in. There's nothing There's nothing to change. I remember we were doing, we were going through school and we were, we were, we were going through MDMP and and it, we were just, everyone's tired and, and, and you're going through it and you're, you could tell the plan was going to fail, but it's like, we spent so much time on this. We're just going to do it. You know, that right there sums up MDMP. You know, it's, there are some, there's, it's useful, I guess, you know, <laughs> at times. Uh, but there's, if you build in simple rules, if you build in like a feedback mechanism to, okay, you know, and this, we, we go through this step, hey, we, some something's got to trigger the feedback to go back. Okay, we need to change this right away. We don't need to go through the whole dang planning process, but let's build something in so it's adaptable. So it you know can allow some sort of emergent behavior to come out of it. But it, right now it's yeah it's everyone knows when you're done planning the time you know it's going to change right after you're done you know so that it's not adaptable. It's just. Uh, in its current state, it's probably good to know, um, but I don't want to say it's useless, but maybe it is. I don't know. Okay. Well, what would, uh, in your mind, what would have been a better method uh, for, uh, other than the Lean Six Sigma um, uh, concept, how, how do you think that the, the course should have been uh, should have been run then? Yeah, so I, I think, uh, uh, and you'll probably agree with this one, a better method could have been using John Boyd Zootaloop. Um you know, if so, I also do some teaching on the side as an adjunct faculty, and I actually teach my course um, uh, using simple rules. So, kind of like a swarming mindset. Uh, so, we've got, and you and I were talking uh, a little bit before we started uh, uh, the podcast here about a systems thinking uh, theory called System Thinking Version 2.0 by doctors Derek and Laura Cabrera at Cornell University. Um, and that, to me, is kind of like the DNA of, of how we think. We uh, they call it DSRP. We we think everything has a distinction. It's either you know MDMP is is useless or it's not. There's a distinction there. That's probably a bad example. Um, systems everything breaks down uh, into its part whole structure. Um, kind of like the analysis piece of the OODA loop, right? Um, relationships and perspectives. So in a way, it's kind of like doing the analysis and synthesis. So you're breaking things apart. You're putting them back together, but when you put them back together, uh, it's like chopping off, I, I can't remember the book I read here recently, chopping up a llama, right? You chop off the llama's parts, um, you kill it, you put it back together, it's not coming back to life, right? You have to, you know, energy, mass, whatever, you know, I'm trying to think of a physics example. In my mind, DSRP is kind of like forcing you to think. So the Cabreras have this uh, this idea, that they say that our education systems think that uh, information equals knowledge. It's not the case. Information times thinking equals knowledge. So introducing that critical thinking piece in there, it's like bringing that llama back to life. That may be a horrible example. Um, so I use those as the fundamental principles, the fundamental simple rules to how I teach, but then how I actually apply it is the OODA loop. So we, 
uh, I think of it, uh, if you think of a systems uh, network, uh, every, every node um, is like a piece of information. Um, once you, the process of connecting those nodes together is the process of making sense of information. Once you connect the nodes, you introduce thinking, you create knowledge. Now, once you go a step further, once you create knowledge, to create knowledge, you have to connect. Knowledge then becomes the nodes. You start connecting knowledge together and you create an understanding. You create emergent behavior. You're, you create wisdom or you attain wisdom. And so my thought was, uh, I called it initially swarming the classroom. I'm kind of thinking emergent learning. So it's adaptable learning. So you think of the OODA loop observe so my students observe the information they digest the information um, then they orient they orient themselves using a couple pretty cool tools that uh, the Cabreras have called think query it's kind of like uh, uh, it's like a mad lib format to, to use DSRP um, and Plectica which is their system mapping software which is uh, how our human brain thinks um, that's how they analyze and synthesize data or their information, breaking apart, putting back together. Um, so that's kind of in the orient, decide realm. Um, then then you, when you're deciding and acting, um, I have them applying. They have to apply it. Um, so they create these concept maps and they do it as a group. Um, really cool seeing 30 people on one Plectica map, one big giant concept map. Like you could break down MDMP um, and you've got all these people on this map breaking it down. Um, and then they're applying it by creating, uh, I, have them, I have them write papers, do Plectica presentations, Prezi's, anything but PowerPoint, I hate PowerPoint. But they're applying all their knowledge. And they're, so they're going through the OODA loop and it's amazing to see that I just step back. I give them simple rules, I step back and the emergent intelligence, the emergent learning that comes from that is phenomenal. So if we, kind of a, long explanation here, but if we could adapt that model in a way at CGSC, we actually may accomplish mission command. You know, we, um, we love to use that uh, as a buzzword. However, then we go back to strict command and control and taking accountability of if you're in class or not on a computer when you're actually sitting in class and yeah. Um, so long explanation, but hopefully it made a little bit of sense. No, definitely. Well, and just based on some conversations that you and I have had in the past about uh, about John Boyd, I was really surprised in your paper when, or in, in your article when you said that there was no there was no discussion about John Boyd. Now I learned about John Boyd as a as a as a brand new second lieutenant going through the basic school, probably within the first two or three days of of starting the basic school. We started talking about John Boyd and about maneuver warfare. Uh, so I was I was surprised that there was no discussion of John Boyd at uh, CGSC. Why why do you think he was not included as part of the curriculum? Uh, well, I guess he pissed everyone off, right? <laughs> well, do you think it was because he didn't have a book that they could uh, I, that could assign readings for? You know, I don't know because they, you know, uh, uh, Osinga, right? Um, maybe butchering his name. His book like is perfect. Um, they could have used that one. They, I don't know. Like it. it so I came across John Boyd. I came across the OODA loop uh, a while ago, a long time ago, but I didn't understand it. Um, and then I was, I'm was i working with the Cabreras and, and uh, another awesome lady named uh, Catherine Rady. Her father actually is Dr. John Rady. He wrote a book called Spark. Phenomenal book. One of my favorite books. But we're, we're working on a book. Um, I have ADHD and I tell everyone it's my greatest skill set. And basically it's a book where we're 
trying to change the mindset of, hey, this could be a superpower, not a disorder. You know, we need to get rid of disorders built into the, you know, the actual, you know, 88 tension deficit disorder, you know. Um, but working on this book and we're trying to come up with a way to how our mind works, you know, and, and how to get kids with ADHD to act, you know. Um, and I came across Oodaloop. I was like, oh, this is perfect, you know. Like, it, well, I came across it again and I started really diving into it and watched your videos um dove into um all these all, the, all these books all these presentations you know that that uh, john boy did that thankfully they're on on youtube um i think i actually that's how i came across yours i think and but in class yeah we never mentioned it we it, it, it was odd uh the only time it was mentioned was in to the red team school um retired lieutenant colonel uh phenomenal a uh, phenomenal guy and phenomenal education. Um, that's when we talked about it. Um, which, by the way, the Red Team School, we didn't do tests. We um, we learned so much. That class is never taught the same way. Um, I went, there was another Marine who went after me. Uh, and we were talking about the class. Like, Did we even have the same class? <laughs> but we learned the same stuff, right? We, right. So it was phenomenal. And... Uh, that's why when I wrote that article, if we just took a piece of that red team, just mimic the red team school, you'll be much better off. Um, but really, when I started learning about the OODA loop, when I wrote that the critical thinkers OODA loop, uh, uh, that was a fun article to write. It was basically merging red team and, and using the OODA loop. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to remember your question here. But, but we never talked about the OODA loop. Uh, we never talked about John Boyd and... I can't, other than the pissed everyone off, I can't tell you why they don't. Yeah. Well, I know one of the, one of the big challenges in, in, in teaching John Boyd's ideas is just the simple fact that he didn't write a book. So therefore you can't assign chapters of John Boyd, like you can chapters of, of Clausewitz and, and the other thinkers, which is, which is unfortunate because there are other people actually Grant Hammond's uh, mind of war would probably be a, uh, an even better book to teach the ideas of John Boyd than, than friends are saying friends are saying his book is really good. Uh, but Grant Hammond's was actually, I think better just for the, the basic concepts of it. Do you think, you know, it makes me wonder, I want, do you think it's because we're stuck on the American way of war? We're stuck on Clausewitz and Jomini. Yeah, probably. How we much don't. discussion did you have of, of Sunza at, uh, Commander General Staff College? So our history, and you'll, you remember that I gave it the, the best score, uh, the best grade. Uh, at the end we talked about, um, Sunza. We talked about, you know, we got into China a little bit. Um, and that, you know, I'm a Wei Chi fan, Go fan. And, and so I love that discussion. Um, we talked about it at the end, but I wish we would have talked about Genghis Khan, T. Lawrence, a little bit different thinker. So I wonder if it's just because we're stuck on this way of thinking and John Boyd pointed that out to us. Right. Right. Um, so I wonder if that plays into it, uh, at all, you know, it's, I, I don't know, but I, it, it's got to be linked to something, you know, something like along those lines. Uh, but if we're going to announce that China and North Korea, you know, are two of the, you know, two of the ones that we're looking at, shouldn't we think like them a little bit um, and quit thinking of, uh, you know, how we fight? But again, maybe I still can't answer the question why we don't <laughs> talk about John Boyd. Yeah. Well, nope. It's uh, it is an enduring mystery. Uh, yeah, one that eventually, hopefully, somebody comes up with a good answer for that for. 
Uh, now, you going back just a little bit, you, you alluded to this just a second ago, you, you criticized the leadership of Commander General Staff College, and specifically, and I actually chuckled a little bit out loud when I, when I came across it, when you talked about the just taking attendance and about how you can be physically sitting there in class but then you but if you didn't actually go online mm-hmm. and checked in uh then you then you weren't there basically uh now i know why that's a that's a that's an issue uh can you explain uh uh over supervision and why that's a really big problem particularly when we're talking about majors yeah it, so they talk mission command all the time right you know and uh, which if I'm thinking mission command, you're going to, you know, I'm trying to, what's the best way to think of it? And outside of like swarm intelligence or something, you're, you're wanting to give your subordinates goals. Maybe someone criticized my article and talked about giving a goal. So if we use his line of thinking, give you goals or get, you know, let, let's, let, let's let you figure out how to, you know, crack this nut here. So it makes no sense when they talk about mission command and then they have us coming in, well, setting in class, but we have to log in to their student accountability tracking system, whatever the heck it's called, uh, SATS. Um, we have to log in to SATS, and if we don't do it, we get our heads bashed in, and we're not accountable. Like, we're not there, you know? Like uh, So it was a running joke. Uh, you know, I, I, I could see accountability being important, I guess, if nobody is showing up. Um, we're all there. We're all, like I said, we're all majors. And, but it takes the attention away from learning and it takes it, you know, instructors and the class leaders are lost trying to figure out where everybody's at on SATs. And, you know, it, it, it makes no, I don't know. It's, it was just funny and it, I just couldn't get over it that we actually were doing it. And, and I, I read an article actually that was written about CGSC. It was a review. So Tom Ricks wrote uh, uh, a, a uh, pretty critical re- review of CGSC a year or two ago and someone followed it up and talked about SATs and how it was going away. <laughs> so they brought it back for some odd reason. But it goes along the lines of if we do something really stupid, we should call it out for being stupid and stop doing it. Um, everyone called it out for being stupid. We kept doing it. They probably reinforced it. We're probably doing like SATs time, you know, version 2.0 now or something, you know. But... Well, I was I read that and I immediately went back to thinking about uh, just about le- military leadership in general. And this is something that I always was critical about while I was in the Marine Corps, because we actually somebody wrote a manual, you know, uh, uh, Marine Corps leadership, uh, leading Marines. And which I thought was ridiculous because and I have this is my well-worn copy of the Marine Corps capstone doctrinal publication, MCDP-1, warfighting. And on page 81, I always point people to this, on page 81, everything that you absolutely need to know about Marine Corps leadership is found in one one sentence here, and I'll read it uh, for everybody. It says, we cannot rightly expect our subordinates to exercise boldness and initiative in the field when they are accustomed to being over-supervised in garrison. Right there is everything you need to know about Marine Corps leadership, That's just perfect. military leadership in general. And when I, when I saw that, thinking that you have a bunch of – these are Army majors. And I would – what, average age probably, what, 36. 30? Yeah, 36 yeah. or so. And, and, and they're being treated like kindergartners. When if you think back to going to college, when you go to a civilian college, you're not taking attendance like that. You know, you're treating people like a, like adults and, and you kind of build some self-reliance in people. So – 
I just I, I had to shake my hand, you know, shake my head and chuckle a little bit when I when I read that that was actually going on. We didn't even have that when I went through expedition warfare school as a captain uh, a couple of years ago in, in in Quantico. I just thought that was a, I thought that was a kind of a funny thing. Uh, but you also, in just in, in broader, I guess, military terms, you, you criticize tactical education as well. And for people outside of the military, uh, I always try to explain that tactics aren't specific techniques or procedures. Tactics is the art of deciding which uh, procedures and techniques to use for a given situation. And uh, but you wrote about how, how the staff at, at Command and General Staff College were evaluating students uh, basically on the forms of their plans, if I'm getting this right, uh, rather than the actual context of or the content of their plans. Uh, but what, what did you what did you really mean by that? So so I, I'm not a tactician. You know, I'm a logistics officer and I'm an AGR guy. So active guard reserve in the reserve. Um, and so my skill set is definitely not tactics. Um, my friends, at, at, you know, in my class, they will tell you that, you know, I, uh, I love martial arts and love to, you know, get in, get into fights, I guess, but tactics is completely different and I, I'm just not strong at it. Um, and we were, so we're going through MDMP. Uh, you know, to me, when we're building our COA sketches and we're building, you know, I was trying to, I, I was looking at, uh, uh, Lynn's book, um, and using those kind of those principles, I don't know if that's the right word, when I was building my diagrams. He would build Lind, uh, would definitely not call them principles, uh, but yeah, his ideas. Okay. Um, so I was using his ideas um, when I was building mine, so I wanted to make him like, I'm like, I can do something cool here. Let's be re- try to be realistic on, and, and have some fun with it. But if you, if you don't follow the checklist they give you, and if you don't put all they care about in my mind, and I could be wrong, but this is how they graded it. If you don't put you know, this diagram on at this, you know, at this time, they, all they care about is you put the diagrams on that you check the box. It doesn't matter what your plan is. And that's what I think the biggest part is like, I'm not a tactician, but there has to be a plan that makes sense. Um, why are we doing this? It was, was my thought. And of course I didn't get a score. Um, and you probably couldn't understand mine, you know, the ADHD thing, but, uh, I thought I'd at least check the boxes because that was pretty simple. You got checklist. Okay, got that on there. Um, yeah, so again, I'm not a tactician. I don't want to downplay tactics, even though there was a lot of people who felt like CGSC was a maneuver school and didn't, you know, and, and when you have logisticians and you have other, you know, other skill sets there and other services uh, that weren't you know, tactics. I don't know. It just seemed like it could have been a, done a better job showing the importance of others, I guess, maybe as well. Um, however, it was good learning from, uh, some of the, my combat arms brothers that were there. Um, especially since, you know, I'm definitely not good at this stuff. I think you bring up an important, an important point. Schools like this, it, I think it is important. It's a great opportunity to bring people from different communities together. It's it's important that logisticians work with the 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 armor officers, the infantry officers, the and all the combat arms people. It's important to bring everybody together in this kind of an environment, just so you all can talk and interact and you figure out the 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 strengths and weaknesses because it's the essence of combined arms warfare the 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 weakness of one weapon of one arm is is offset by the strength of another 
And and with with logistics in particular, if logisticians don't understand maneuver warfare and they don't understand how everyone how everyone thinks and everyone operates, then it becomes very difficult to support what they're ultimately trying to accomplish. So, no, I think that's uh, I think that that's good. And it's a very important point that uh, that that tactics do need to or the tacticians should be judged when they're going through a situation like that by the actual content of their plans, not just. Uh, making sure that that all of the all the checklist items of oh yes I did have this overlay was complete and that uh, that checklist was uh, was completed yeah and, and they and so my the the students at CGSC I want to make sure it's clear are phenomenal um, that was one of the best parts of CGSC other than family time was the relationship and students the students were phenomenal I've heard people bash some of the students there. The students are very highly educated. They're they're great leaders. It's the fact that the school is not learning from the students. Um, the students are phenomenal people, and I learned. So I what I did learn in tactics and everything else there was from my peers. Um, so the students, I want to make sure that's known. Are they're phenomenal? Uh, some of the best people that I've ever met were this last year. Is the is the problem? Is it is it an institutional problem, or is it uh, the? Um, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble here. Uh, is it the the personnel and the staff, or is it just the, um, or is it just a, a problem of institutional inertia? Is that? Yeah, I would say uh, the institutional inertia probably, and and you know there there were some really good instructors and some decent leaders there, I guess. Um, but there were, so I, I had an incident when I got there, um, uh, where I came across a senior civilian, retired officer who, uh, if you notice, uh, the title of my article talks about being a big deal, right? So the title, uh, I was, went back and forth with Tom on this. Like, I was like, he didn't want that title. I was like, I want that title. I'm not writing this article. Um, so an instructor there, I, I love to give my peace of mind, uh, or speak my mind. And if I think something wrong, I'm going to call you out on it. And I want to talk to you about it. Uh, I really, and that's why I'm never going to be anonymous. Uh, if somebody, if I'm going to punch someone in the face, I want them to see me punching them and know who punched them. If someone punches me in the face, I will respect you if I know you punched me. But if I don't know who punched me, I'm not going to respect you. I don't know who to respect. So I'm always going to give you a piece of my mind. And I respect it when people give me theirs. You know, we may get mad, but, you know, I, I respect that in the end. So came, I had an incident where a senior civilian told me that he was kind of a big deal here. And then basically I just need to shut up. Uh, and so that right there, and that turned into a running joke in our class, that right there to me spoke volumes. Uh, um and it kind of affected me for getting any other type of schools there. Uh, the old, yeah, it's kind of a lot of pull there. It's kind of a big deal, you know. Um, so to me, that mindset there may answer the question. You know, I don't know. Well, that definitely could be. So this article generated all kinds of attention. And I was I was just looking as I was going through doing some show prep for this yesterday. I was looking through. There are 236 comments on the task and purpose website on this article alone that struck me just as somebody who publishes a lot uh, i mean and publishes some controversial things 
uh, I know what 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 comments can can look like and how they can they can accumulate. I've never seen anything like that. And that was just on the story itself that says nothing about in other places in Facebook or Twitter where it was where it was reposted. Uh, but then I thought about it a little bit, and it really struck me as as really interesting because Command and General Staff College it isn't. It's not boot camp. It's not. It's not this huge community. It's not like you have tens of thousands of people going through that every year. It's what twelve hundred students a year or yeah, something along about, those lines. Yeah, about twelve hundred. Now, obviously, it's a it's a different, I guess, demographic. You have a lot of uh, post secondary uh, uh, graduates going through there, and so. Uh, I would expect them, I would hope that they would be more engaged with something like this. But even still, that's a lot of engagement. Why do you think that this struck such a nerve with so many people? I, I mean, I, obviously the tone of it, you know. Um, I, you know, I did, some people that I came across, oh, what were some, of the, some of the comments are brutal. They were really fun to read. Um, if, if you've, uh, you know, if you can't stomach some of that or if you have really, if you don't have thick skin, you're going to, Probably then make someone probably cry. Should be in a different uh, line of work for sure. Yeah, and but I actually so I it was this one or another one I wrote. I actually had fun. Someone, someone uh, called me out, and then someone else was arguing with them, and they said that that was me being anonymous. And I was like, eh, come on, if there's one thing you got to respect, that you're gonna know I'm gonna tell you my real dang name, you know? Like, and so I got into it with this person. It was fun. Um, he was making fun of me for my red putting red team in my bio. And, you know, I asked, he asked me if he thought it was just part of a secret organization. I was like, yeah, you're just mad because you don't know the dang handshake, you know, like <laughs> idiot. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, I think it was the tone. Like people thought it was whining. They thought it was arrogant. Um, got into a doctor man on Twitter. He thought I was being arrogant. Um, they can call it whatever they want. I call it speaking my mind and it was fun to write, but it generated, yeah. I mean, if, if I wouldn't have wrote it like that, I don't think it would have generated that much um if i wouldn't have been if i'd have been anonymous it wouldn't have generated that much it would have been some random duffel blog you know article um yeah i think it was the the tone which was funny someone mentioned i think it was doctrine man that it was garbage on twitter and i came back later i, I woke up one morning to like 40 notifications on twitter um and i noticed that comment and so i i just piped in i'm like so I, uh, so why are we still talking about this piece of garbage? You know, and then uh, I noticed someone else's, they, they mentioned that, uh, hey, he got the conversation started and that pissed off some people, but it started a conversation. Um, the tone, I guess, to answer your question, you know. Okay. Be it. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, that there, there are probably some people who draw a lot of, uh, I guess professional satisfaction, maybe validation because they went there and like, that's a big, re that's a big uh, part of somebody's resume that, Hey, I, I graduated this school. Uh, finding that out. Yeah. And, and so uh, maybe criticizing the school kind of, uh, kind of attacks them personally because they draw some, some part of their professional validation from it. That's, that was my thought that, that, okay. There, that might be one of the reasons why, why, why people uh, are, are so up in arms about this. I think that, uh, and again, I, I value professional military education greatly. I think that uh, if we don't get this right, then nothing else that we do in the military is going to be, is going to be right. If it's not, if, if we don't have a solid, uh, I guess, philosophical and operational uh, concept, and that starts with 
professional military education, then everything else that we build on top of on top of that base is going to be flawed. And uh, but uh, you know, but I also I understand the the difficulty in 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 educating people. I was I was a tactics instructor at Fort Knox, uh, teaching teaching second lieutenants armor tactics a couple of years ago, and so I know some of the constraints about how hey we really gotta you have to you have to push students through here uh, because that's ultimately what we're what we're producing. We're we're producing basically educated uh, educated armor and cavalry officers, and and so you know there are limits to what a to to what a school can do. Now that doesn't mean that that school is above uh, is above criticism. I I think that's I think it's very validated uh, or very valid to to do that uh, because the schools do need to uh, should should adapt and improve. Um, but yeah, I didn't. Uh, uh, I again, I was uh, I was surprised by the volume and the vehemence of, of the criticism of your piece. That's that's what really kind of um, kind of struck me. Yeah. It was just a, it was just an interesting thing. It was funny that you'll notice in the comments, too, they'll. CGSC instructors were on there anonymously, you know, and, and, and commenting. That's that's what bothers me about those, though. You know, I want it's fine to comment, and but if you're going to attack me, tell me who you are. Be a man. Tell me who you are, and that's what I don't like, or be a woman. Um, yeah, well, one thing I will say about the CGSC leadership that I haven't gotten in trouble yet. <laughs> so maybe there's something to say that they're, uh, they're listening a little bit, and they're not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to kill you for speaking out, I guess, maybe. But, you know, talk to me in a month from now and see if that's still the case, you know. But I haven't gotten in trouble yet. So maybe that's that Maybe that says something about the leadership there that, you know, maybe they're open to it. I don't know. It could be. I'm, and that was actually a, a question I had for you is what, what kind of – uh, what kind of fallout? What kind of feedback uh, have you received? And is it different? Uh, and now this is coming from somebody who was an active duty officer who wrote some controversial things and who did feel some fallout uh, as a result of it. Um, uh, is it because you're because you're a reserve officer? Do you think that maybe you've uh, been able to dodge some of that kind of stuff? Because uh, I guess there's some there's some different rules for for active duty and reservists. I don't think it's anything. With- reserve um the thing with the reserve is maybe we think a little differently um and we, we don't normally get you know taken away for a year to be put in school um which maybe there's something to speak to that of being able to apply it as you go through a distance learning but they just need to change this learning because that is the biggest complaint in the reserve that go through ILE um so I don't think it's a reserve piece uh you know I, and I don't think that the you know are there rules against writing or speaking out? Um, I don't think so, are there? No. Uh, and I, I mean, I know it kind of gets people upset. I haven't... So I, I got a lot of, to answer your feedback question, outside of what was on the website, and I got a lot of emails, personal emails, LinkedIn messages, Facebook messages, um, that were phenomenal. Like, they were so happy that someone was doing it. A lot of junior officers, too. Um, it was like, it was kind of, I don't want to say an inspiration, but it was kind of like, hey, we can we can speak out, you know. We right. have a voice. We're the future. We have a voice. Uh, even a lot of senior people, I got emails, like, they were like, this is good. Like, get this going. Uh, get this discussion going. And what I just wish would happen is, why aren't some of these people speaking out openly? Yep. Um, and you'll notice another officer and I wrote a, an article. I didn't even want to be on this. I just wanted to link them with task and purpose with Tom on pregnancy at CGSC. Uh, basically, they're 
basically they're kicking pregnant the, the allegation they're, they're kicking pregnant soldiers out of their policy and are not allowing them to come they're arguing their the policy doesn't say that but it's basically what's happening and a couple retired a retired female cgsc instructor lieutenant colonel and one that's retiring this july came out in the army times and basically validated our arguments and and basically, so well, so let's just back up just yep. a little bit and just because uh, that was definitely something that you said in this article. Uh, it was it was a brief mention, and I know that that got a lot of attention. Can you explain what uh, what you saw and why why you included that in the piece? Yeah, so there's there's this, there was a policy that um, when the sec def uh, previous sec def changed the paternity or yeah maternity paternity leave. Uh, basically came out for guidance for, uh, you know, across all services that you will not, commanders will not disapprove maternity leave and it will not be used against a soldier for PME, for training and stuff like that. And, and, and it was supposed to protect them, but female soldiers are showing up um, to CGSC and, and being told, you know, that they can't be here, um, showing up pregnant and, and, and one, and in the article, it was, it was, it was bad. It was basically sit down and, um, uh, saying, you know, in your current state, you can't be here. And, and what was the justification for that? That she was, you know, she was pregnant, you know, like. It, was it because they were going to uh, potentially miss a lot of. Yeah. And that, of that's her argument. You're going to miss a lot of school. But the the soldiers that and, and service members across the board that did this, like the female service members that were pregnant or came pregnant to a year-long school, and it's not like they're an AIT soldier getting pregnant at school. These are married women trying to have a family. They were the most inspirational students that I met there because they had to do extra work, and a lot, a lot of times got a lot of work they shouldn't have had to do. Where we were doing group work, and basically we'd check a box somewhere, and they were doing the whole thing. They all made it. Um, they were the most inspirational, hardest-working people there at that school. But they were not supposed to be there, which I don't understand. And if you want to hear more about it, I you know I can re- Army Times article that came out here recently talking about it and CGSC responding to it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't understand why that policy they made a problem out of nothing because female service members that came there that were pregnant or got pregnant there successfully made it, no problem. Um, and it had to do extra work, so yeah, I don't know. I don't remember what the question was. No. It's interesting. No, it was uh, just uh, uh, giving you an opportunity to explain that a little bit more because it was a, it was a brief discussion, and I know that there was that a lot of the the I guess criticism of of your piece were, was focused in. Yeah, because I wasn't specific on it. On that, yeah, but then it, I think you did explain it later in the you know in the in the follow up piece, but you know, as a father and a husband. That appalled me, and that's why I had like I got involved with the ladies. Uh, there was a whole there was there was a whole group of them. I had like I, I could not not get involved in that one. That one seemed like you know I the CGSC art review article that was I had fun with that one, and you know this other one was a cause that needed to be written. You know like uh, and I'm glad that that uh, the ladies were able to actually get out in front of that one. You know and, and hopefully this one causes real change and gets rid of that that policy. Okay, you know something else that I thought, and this is the at at the end of it when I after I read the whole thing and 
and and after I reviewed some of the comments, uh, particularly some of the negative ones about, oh, you know, uh, this is just a disaffected guy, and and why should you really listen to this? That always that that always kind of kind of annoyed me because I would I get that a lot in some of the in some of the work that I do, and particularly in some of the work that I did while I was in the Marine Corps. Like, look, I write these things, and I bring up these issues precisely because I do care, because I want I I want to to make the system better I mean, mm-hmm. that's that i don't i don't do this because i don't care because i am disaffected it's exactly the opposite i'm doing this because i care that much that i'm willing to put my name out and i agree with you on that uh, wholeheartedly that it's you know hey look if you're gonna say these things you better stand up and put your name on it and uh and say these things and say these things out loud They're like at the end of the day when you know looking back on your experience in commander general staff college uh would you recommend the school to other people like what's the uh i guess what's what's your final word on 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 commander general staff college in general so it was you know i was speaking to my wife about this uh she was pretty upset at some of the comments and she had to stop reading them. Um, and she was, yeah, she was upset and I was having fun reading them. Uh, but we were talking about CGSC and it was a good year. Um, we have a three-year-old daughter. Uh, you know, we had a great time. We had a lot of family time. Um, not going to use CGSC's lines, uh, about the year that would, you know, but, uh, overall I would recommend it. Uh, I would just make sure you're aware that hey, if you want to speak your mind, get ready for uh, get ready for some uh, I guess some fun. I would recommend it. It was it just needs to change. So in its current state, if some if I had to recommend it to someone, I would say yes, because it gives you time with your family. It gives you time uh, to meet very phenomenal, highly educated peers. Uh, and the one thing I would tell them to do when they're there is make sure they take red team. Um, and I had a, a conversation with a buddy of mine, uh, uh, it was a Coast Guard guy who went through the Art of War Scholars Program, and I did not think that would be a good program to go through. I didn't apply because um, I thought it was, you know, just sticking with the status quo, and I thought maybe that's what CGSC wanted. But I was told that was a phenomenal program. And after speaking with him, I wish I would have applied for it. So I would recommend the red team training for sure. And if you wanted a different experience, the Art of War Scholars Program um, there at CGSC. But yeah, it was it was a good year. Um, yeah, just uh, get ready for fun if you speak your mind. Yes, there is always danger involved in that. Well, that's it for this time. You can learn more about military education and other reform efforts, find links to what we've discussed, and leave us comments by visiting our website at pogo.org strauss. There you can also learn about our other investigations and efforts to make the military more ethical and effective at a significantly lower cost. Please click like on our Facebook page at the Project on Government Oversight. You can follow us on Twitter at at Dan underscore Grazier and at Strauss Reform. In order to preserve our independence, POGO does not knowingly accept contributions from anyone who stands to benefit financially from our work. If you would like to get involved and help POGO and the Center for Defense Information's work promoting an effective, open, and affordable government, please consider making a donation. Just click on the red donation icon at the top of our homepage. I'm Dan Grazier, the Jack Shanahan Military Fellow here at the Center for Defense Information at POGO. Please stay tuned as we will continue to help you navigate the Pentagon Labyrinth.